Hello, friends. Welcome to Waterworks Ministries podcast number two. I am Karen Weiss, your host and director of Waterworks Ministries. Waterworks is a ministry of equipping, knowledge, and nurture, focusing on spiritual direction, coaching, and training in spiritual formation. We are so glad you are listening today. Please leave us a comment to let us know how you liked today's episode and what topics you'd like to hear about in the future. So to jump right in, today's guest is Jackie Hook, a trained spiritual director and celebrant among many other talents. Jackie, thank you for joining the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Why don't you tell us about your background and how you came to be a spiritual director and celebrant? I have a bachelor's in business from Penn State and then I got my master's in wellness from the University of Central Florida and I worked with businesses and organizations and creating employee wellness programs and as I was doing that I became more and more drawn to the spiritual aspects of wellness which now I actually call wholeness you know wholeness is something even if you're physically not well you can still be whole when you attend to the, the spiritual aspects of yourself. And so I went to Oasis Ministries and did a two-year program in spiritual direction and then actually did a third year with them. And that was about five years ago I finished all of that. Um, and have been working with people in spiritual direction individually, with groups, leading retreats, and reached out to Coke Funeral Home here in State College about working with them because spiritual direction is a lot like grief companioning. You know, when we sit mm -hmm. with people in spiritual direction, we hear about their lives, about their losses, um, and we're companioning them and doing them, you know, companioning them in a way to always hopefully present hope and light and God for them. And when in talking to Glenn Fleming at Coke Funeral Home, I learned about celebrancy. Celebrancy is a profession that started in Australia and New Zealand. And it came about because church numbers were declining and people were no longer having a church home. But when it came to ceremonies and services, they still wanted to have a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. And so this profession came about. My role as a celebrant is to create the kind of service that the individuals want. What I do in terms of a funeral or a memorial service is I sit with families for a couple hours and just listen to the stories of their loved ones' lives. Sometimes I do it prior to the death if they want, and other times, most often, I do it afterwards. But we just, they tell stories um, throughout the life, the painful ones, the happy ones. Um, and then I sit down and write a service word for word and send it to them. And they have the option of changing anything that they want. We pick music, um, readings, poetry, invite others to speak, whatever they want. My intention is to make it feel like that person's presence is there, you know, during during that time. And sometimes it's religious, you know, I'll read a prayer. Um, sometimes it's not. But for me, being present with these people during all of this 
God is so present, you know, mm -hmm. because people are talking about what matters most to them in their lives. And it's really an honor to get to be with them and hear mm -hmm. that. So it's, it's a very, um, very spiritual experience for me to go through all of these steps with individual families. Mm -hmm. And so here at, at Coke, we've created a program called Helping Grieving Hearts Heal. Mm -hmm. And I offered the memorable, memorable funeral ceremony creation, as I just described. I can do, have the talk of a lifetime, sit down with families and encourage them to have some of these conversations so that they're ready um, it's not something that's foreign to them. I can do community outreach, going out into the community and doing presentations on all different kinds of things. Coke just became a sponsor of a documentary called um, Voices of Grief, Honoring the Sacred Journey, yeah. created by a spiritual director out in Colorado. <laughs> and so I'm in the process of inviting organizations to have us out to show the um, documentary and then have it afterwards. It really sets their grief journey off on a positive note. Hmm. So Jackie, it sounds like you're doing some amazing work through Coke Funeral Home and your own ministry. So tell me, what are the stages of grief and how can we help people move through them in a, in a healthy way? Elizabeth Kubler-Ross talked a lot about the stages of grief and a lot of people think of it in that way. Um, she said before her death that she never meant for people to think about it in terms of you go from this stage to the next stage to the next stage. But really these are emotions and experiences that we all go through in the journey. I've read about it being described as a spiral, the mm -hmm. grief spiral, and you just you know experience all kinds of emotions. My preferred model is actually um, one by Alan Wolfelt, who has the Center for Loss and Transition in Colorado. He talks about touchstones, mm. that there are 10 touchstones along the way when you're grieving, and they let you know that you're on the path, you okay. know, when you experience these different things. He describes it as a wilderness. And I think that's an accurate description. There's so many ways people describe grief, you know, a raging fire, um, the waves that come crashing in. It's uh, an individual journey, but is best done in a social context. Mm -hmm. It's as unique as our fingerprint. And we are each the expert in our own grief. Nobody else can tell you what it's going to feel like. Some of the common experiences, you know, are sadness, depression, anger, bargaining. Um, at the in Kubler Ross's model, acceptance is what comes at the end. Wolfelt talks about reconciling with grief, mm -hmm. um, and that comes from the word that means to make new again. So you're trying to make your life over again. He also talks about six needs that mourners have, and I think paying attention to those is really helpful, making sure you're getting your needs met along the way. I um, 
look at it from the place of wonder. You know, I, when I companion someone, I ask lots of questions, just as we do in spiritual direction. Um, you know, what does this feel like? How are you experiencing this? I've come up with my own model that I call the 4321 exclamation point on hope, healing, and wholeness. So there are four practices. That's the four, my four C's. One is centeredness. That's spending time in meditation and prayer and solitude, going within and resting in God. Um, the second one is creativity. That can be participating in arts. It can be living your life in a unique way, somehow getting in touch with your creative spirit, which in my mind, you know, what is God but creative? So yeah. you're getting in touch with God. Community. It's so important to create a community. And that's when I leave, lead um, support experiences you know we we sit in a circle and we make it a safe place talk about confidentiality so that people can really speak their truth and hear others truths mm -hmm. um, and then caring and that's compassionate caring of ourselves taking care of ourselves as well as helping others that mm -hmm. is one way we can help heal ourselves so those are four practices that I encourage people to spend time in while they're on the grief journey, or I call it embracing a new life. You know, you're, you're creating a new life. I love the description of centering prayer as being divine therapy. Mm -hmm. And it's my experience with these four practices. If you spend time in them, you are being transformed from the inside out, as opposed to willing yourself mm -hmm. better. Um, that's just not what the grief journey is about. Mm -hmm. It's not about will. So that's the four. The three are three skills. Mm -hmm. And I talk about, it's the initials ABS, and this is um, from work by Miriam Greenspan. But many of us do abs you know, ab exercises. <laughs> well, these are abs to help us deal with experiences. So A is attend to, learn to listen. You know, what am I feeling? It's a lot like welcoming prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what am I noticing? Um, B is befriending. In order to heal it, you have to feel it. You have mm -hmm. to let yourself actually feel it again. Welcoming prayer is a wonderful practice. And that is not just emotions but listening to your body as well exactly right? okay. exactly yes the whole package um, and then s is surrender to let it go you have to let it flow and I don't know if you've ever had an experience like that where you've had the opportunity to really just let go into sadness or you know some kind of emotion and it really helps to move you through it when you can fully surrender, mm -hmm. which I think in our culture today, we encourage people to kind of go off by themselves to the side, get better, and then come back and join us. Mm -hmm. um, or we want to keep them busy 
or they think that they need to keep busy. Um, and you need some of that. Denial, you know, that we talk about with grief really is our body's way of helping us. Because if we took in everything that this loss, if you lose a loved one, you know, an experience, if you take it all in at once, it would be overwhelming. You know, we can't handle all of that. So it's our body's way of saying, okay, little by little, we'll take in a piece of this um, so that it's not so overwhelming. And that seems like a much more healthy way to approach it, to approach denial, um, as opposed to saying that there's something wrong in that. Right, right. A lot of it is trusting the experience. I would say trusting God is in it with you, you know, and trusting um, that you can get to the other side and feel these emotions. And we talk about how oftentimes our fear of experiencing it is actually harder than just experiencing it. You know, we're so afraid. I don't want to feel this way that we try to keep it at bay. But if we allowed ourselves to surrender to it, um, it's not not as hard. Not to say it's not a difficult journey because, gosh, it is. It is. Yeah. It's a hard, painful journey. So that's the three, four, three, then two intentions. Mm -hmm. And one is to look for light along the way, is how I say it. Um, I could also say look for God along the way. There are pieces of light, you know, even in the darkness. I read an account of a woman who went into a room and they were trying to simulate total darkness. They covered the windows and everything, but there were still those pinholes of light, you know, that mm -hmm. got through. Maybe if you go deep into a cave underground, you know. Um, but light, there's always light out there, right? We don't see the stars, but in the darkness. So there's always light. That's the hopeful piece. And the other intention is to heal and to grow and to be transformed. Mm -hmm. So go into it with the idea, all right, this is going to be an experience, and I hope that I'm going to heal and grow and be transformed. And that's really a big reason why I'm drawn to this work is the transformation that mm -hmm. I see with people. Um, I know my experiences with grief definitely have transformed me, have transformed my family. Um, we live an entirely different life now because of our experiences than we would have before and I'm great I'm not grateful for the losses but I'm grateful for you know who it's made us and also how it's brought me closer to God mm -hmm. from going through it and I really like that intention of healing because I think a lot of people think that loss is final in yeah. so many ways whether you're talking about a job or a divorce or you know loss of a loved one right where it's it's over it's ended and there's the trauma in that but also an identity crisis of oh, sorts yeah. and i don't think in many ways there's the realization that we can heal from right. something like that right and so that that to me is a beautiful thing Thank you. The yeah. spiritual director in me is like, yes, we, anytime 
that we are invited into something by God, there is hope and healing and transformation. Exactly. Exactly. And sometimes just saying that to people, you know, causes them to turn a corner. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I can. This doesn't have to just be darkness for the rest of my life. I can yeah. heal. Um, and it's not something, again, as a culture that we encourage people to embrace. No. So you, it's important to have these kinds of conversations mm -hmm. where, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, the one is a posture of openness. Mm -hmm. So being open. When you clench your fists, you can't receive. You know, you can't receive anything. So being open to what the experience is going to bring to you. Um, trapeze artists, you know, let go immediately, quickly. But a lot of us need to do that gradually. So just learning to let go. Really, that's what you're doing is letting go of experiences with a person or a, a relationship um, your hopes for the future are changed now you know your life for the future so letting go of all those kinds of things can be helpful and uh, Diana Butler Bass was here not too long ago she does a lot of writing in um, Christianity and how the church is changing and she talked about experiences. There's the letting go, but on the other side, there's the letting come, mm -hmm. which I think is beautiful. Um, and that's what you need to be open, I think, to let the good, let God come and fill. Nature abhors a vacuum, right? So yep. when we let go, then God fills it. And then the exclamation point in my four, three, two, one exclamation point is. Um, Ceremony and ritual. Mm -hmm. I've talked a little bit about funerals, and that's one kind of ceremony. But we can do ceremonies every day. I just wrote an article. I write for Centered Magazine. And I just wrote an article about the importance of rituals and read studies where they had people do a ritual that really was not connected to the experience. And just performing the ritual, they their grief lessened. Hmm. Um, as well as the fact that people who didn't even think that kind of thing worked, they experienced less grief. So we can make up rituals every day. I know my husband and I just celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary um, and hiked in Cook Forest for five and a half hours on a day. Oh, it was it beautiful. was beautiful, yeah. And, you know, we sat down and recommitted to ourselves what we wanted this next part of our marriage to be about. Um, we dropped our daughter off at college and on the drive home, you know, held hands as we went over a, a bridge, letting go of what we knew to be our life and then welcoming what was coming, you know? So there are yeah. many things like that you can do that when words aren't enough, mm. you know, ceremony can say so much, they're symbolic. Um, and people can 
create whatever works for them. You know, there are no rules. You have to do it this way or that way. But we used to do a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and indigenous cultures know that. Um, but I think we need to be reminded. And it, and it brings some, you know, a lot of life, I think, back into our lives and the whole um, wisdom, you know, that you can gain from that kind of thing. And I think our culture is shifting in a way that is going from really being focused on head knowledge to learning through experience. Yeah. And if we can incorporate the grief and loss into our culture in a way that it's understood in terms of experience, I think that that could be an incredibly valuable thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Instead of hiding people away. Like, when you said that, I thought of people in rehab. Um, You know, oh, go to this program, be there for 30 days, and then you'll be fixed and then you come back and join us and join us again but the stuff is all the same right you're not going to change if all of the things around you right you know remain the same so right (laughs) so going away and coming back doesn't often help right in some cases right you can create community where you are but then you need to create community you know but it all goes hand in hand actually right now tides which is an organization for children and their families who've lost loved ones. Um, The Jana Marie Foundation, which is about empowering youth, um, positive mental wellness through arts and creativity, and an organization or an initiative that Christian and Elizabeth Brady and I began last year called Learning to Live, What's Your Story? Giving people opportunities to share their stories because that's part of how we heal. are working together to bring a woman to town named Kristen Petamonte. And she uh, is a storyteller and tells her story of hope and healing, um, strength and resilience. And we just had a phone call with her yesterday and we were talking about how mental wellness, um, it, it's all dealing with loss, you know, mm-hmm. rehab that you mentioned, mm-hmm. that's what made me think of it. You're losing your ability to have control over different aspects of your life. Or they're all, you know, what you hoped your life was going to look like. Loss is with us every day. And how we deal with small losses helps to prepare us then for larger losses in our life. So what... What things can we do in the, to encourage ourselves in the small losses every day? Like, can you name a couple things? I think, you know, what I talked about with my 4321, mm-hmm. those are ways to help us deal with it. Um, I, somehow framing it in terms of loss can be helpful just mm-hmm. to think, um, you know, maybe I'm grieving here. Um, I know I had an experience where I had some facial surgeries. I had basal cell carcinoma removed and then several reconstructive surgeries. And at, I share the story that they took the bandages off. I was bandaged for five weeks and they took the bandages off at the last day. And the doctor said, you're good to go. 
And I'm thinking, no, I'm not. You know, I'm swollen. I'm red. I'm, you know, <laughs> but I hiding behind the bandages was actually easier. Now I didn't wear bandages. And that night, my husband and I were taking our daughter dinner. She was working at the pool and we got there and I couldn't get out of the car. I just, you mm -hmm. know, I was afraid to go public and came home and my son knew I was upset and he said, mommy, will you drive me to swim practice tonight? And I said, sure. And on the way there, he said, I wanted you to drive me because I wanted to talk to you. He said, you're grieving right now. <laughs> and Coming that's a good thing, son. right? Yeah. And that's a good thing because then you're going to be better able to talk to people about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I really tried to pay to pay attention to that journey and what I learned is that our bodies know how to heal mm. just as they know how to heal from a physical wound they know how to heal from grief mm. we just need to listen to them to take care of them um, to get support mm. and in time then you know we will we will heal we'll have a scar will never be the same, but in some cases we can be stronger. You know, they say where broken bones heal are they're actually stronger mm -hmm. than, you know. Um, so it's not a medical model problem. You know, this is something we all experience. Yeah. It can be. Mm -hmm. Some people do need you know, to get mental health counseling, um, whatever you know, as to help them through grief. It can become complicated. Um, but in most cases, you know, if we can attend to it in a loving way, um, we can heal from it. Can you explain a little bit about the welcoming prayer for those who aren't familiar with it? Because I, you know, something you said reminded me, you know, very strongly that we don't know how to welcome what our bodies have to say to us right um, you know when if our bodies know how to heal from grief but we don't know how to listen right or nurture that one of your C's was compassionate caring right so we don't know how to take care of ourselves physically in the time that we're going through loss then that's a that's a big part of of the grief process that may be stuck oh, yeah. in some way. And so can you just say a little bit more about the welcoming prayer and how we can nurture our own compassionate caring for our bodies? Sure, I'd love to. I um, Welcoming prayer is the companion prayer to centering prayer. And some people say if you do centering prayer 20 minutes twice a day, which is often recommended, that you can do welcoming prayer the other 23 hours and, and 20 mm. minutes. Um, welcoming prayer, my interpretation um, is first you sink into what you're feeling. So you notice what you're feeling and you sink into it. Mm. You can do a body scan, you know, you can pay attention to the thoughts that are in your head. But notice what it is you're feeling and sink into it. Allow yourself to feel it. And then you invite God's presence and action into it with you. 
So if you're if you notice that you're feeling tension in your neck, let's say, then you focus on the tension in your neck and invite God into presence that. and action into okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you kind of go back and forth between those two, you know, sink into it some more and invite God's presence and action into it and sink into it. And you keep doing that. It's a little dance until you feel a little release. Mm -hmm. And maybe you don't right away, you know, maybe you'll have to do it more. But I was just talking to Glenn Mitchell, mm -hmm. um, who was with Oasis Ministries, and he said he teaches that if you can get welcoming prayer, that's really the crux of what the spiritual journey is about. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's the surrendering. It's inviting God into it. I know I, you can invite God in in a couple of ways, and, and we all have our own experiences. But for me, it is it inviting God in from the outside into me, or is it inviting the God that's in me into that, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out what feels right for you. Um, and then you can, once you feel the little release, you can say a prayer um, of gratitude for the experience, as well as one of the individuals who've, who's create, have been a part of creating a welcoming prayer, and I can't remember the name, but you can say, I let go of my desire for security and survival. I let go of my desire for esteem and affection. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire to change the situation. Mm. And you can just feel yourself going deeper and deeper with each of those letting goes. Mm. And ultimately, you know, you're letting go and, and giving it to God. And it's a way to really be companioned by God through the experiences. You're not pushing the emotion, the feeling, the sensation away. You're sinking into it. Um, it's real, but you're inviting God's presence and action in it with you. I've heard many different people talk about specifically fear, but I think it applies to other emotions as well, where if you acknowledge the emotion and listen to it, it will actually dissipate on its own. So, you know, your body or your, your heart is trying to get you to hear something, but if you keep pushing it away, it just gets louder. But if you embrace it or sink into it, as you're talking about, right. then it, it feels like it's been listened to and then you can offer it to God. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's such a huge part. You know, it's like the the three skills I was talking to. Mm -hmm. You know, just learning, learning to listen. Um, I think is really important, and so much of our days today are spent not listening. You know, reading um, emails and right. texts. Right. We're not listening Facebook. to ourselves. I was just, I do programs at some of the commun uh, retirement communities in town, and I was just doing a 
program about the grace and aging and how solitude is different than being alone because so many elderly people are alone mm -hmm. living alone now even in community but they talk about the nights you know how hard it is to be alone and mm -hmm. so we are talking about solitude as opposed to being alone and there are the practices of meditation and prayer and then there are the practices of listening you know really listening to what is going on inside of you um, and getting comfortable with that yeah there's you i think you said it a little earlier about how we can be more afraid of our experiencing the emotions that we're feeling in grief then it is actually difficult to walk through some of them right and I think solitude is similar in that. We can be afraid to be alone with ourselves. And if we can cultivate that and nurture it and grow it, right. it creates a space within us that I think overflows to other people. Oh, yeah. 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 I think it's John of the Cross who said, silence is God's first language. Mm. <laughs> yeah so when we're spending time there in an intentional way we're spending time with God Sister Therese um, who used to be at the Bethany Retreat Center in Frenchville you know s described centering prayer as spending time with your beloved mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and how it doesn't get much it doesn't get any more beautiful than that you know spending yeah. time with your beloved there's there's so much to experience in presence. Oh yeah. And we aren't good at that in this culture, I don't think. Anyway, right. there's a there's a disconnect between you know, well so many people are spiritual um, or looking for something of the divinity. Right in so many different ways and yet we have so many issues or patterns of behavior that that stop that keep us away and keep us away yeah, yeah. and and our busyness or those patterns of behavior keep us away from grief um, in bad ways i think right. sometimes Right, because of the good that it can do. Yeah. Um, good grief, you know. I recently helped lead a retreat that was entitled that, Good Grief. Oh, good grief. Um, Richard Rohr talks about it is great love and great suffering that brings us to God. Mm. And that's a part of why, as I was saying before, I like this work is because I know that the suffering that people are going through can help bring them closer to God. And I like to help create the space so that they can experience it to get there, you know, in a, in a loving, a loving way. Melissa Stock, who was one of the trainers when I mm -hmm. went through um, Oasis Ministries, talked about holding hope for other people. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what a great 
expression. You know, these people are suffering and they might not feel the hope, but you let them know you're holding that hope for them. Mm -hmm. And when they're ready, they can have it back, you know, but that whole time know that you are hopeful that they'll grow and heal and be transformed. I had an experience with my own spiritual director who did that for me. I was in a very dark um, place that seemed to be without light. Yeah. And I remember her saying to me in one session, Karen, I'm holding hope for you. Wow. And it was liberating because I knew like my burden seemed so much at that time that I couldn't hold hope. Yeah. And with her acknowledging that she would hold it for me, I didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. I didn't have to feel guilty that I couldn't hold hope. It was wow. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's very encouraging to hear you say that because I had a similar experience when she said that in our training, you know, that you can hold hope for somebody and I think it can be very powerful. And you really are, you know. Mm-hmm prayerfully and companioning them, you know, holding, holding that hope. Thankfully, and who knows why, you know, some of us are able to hold on to hope for others, you know? Um, and cause I, I don't have the experience. I don't know what it's like to be clinically depressed, you know, where you don't, you don't feel that hope that's got to be Mm -hmm. got to be hard so I'm grateful that to hold it for others Mm -hmm. and I think um, that holding hope um, one of the questions that I sent you in an email is what can we do when we or what can we say when we're not sure what to say or there aren't words and I think even if you're not a trained spiritual director, you can hold hope for someone. Oh, yeah. You know, sit beside them, put your hand on their shoulder or hold their hand. Acknowledge the suffering. Right. Say, I can't imagine how difficult this is for you. I don't know what you're going through, but I will hold hope for you. Yeah. That's a beautiful expression of love and compassion and kindness. Oh, yeah. I like to tell people the three H's. Doug Manning, who is a pastor and done a lot with celebrancy, um, says people need hugs, they need you to hush, and they need you to hang around. (laughs) So they need love and hugs. They need you to hush. There's nothing you can say to fix it. Yeah. And once we accept that, I think it gets easier because we want to make it better. We don't like to see them sad, but we can't fix it. Um, So let them talk. They're the ones who need to say it. Remember is you are remembering yourself. You know, you need to, they need to tell the stories of memories and it's helping them accept all of it and and become the new person that they're going to be. Um, and then hang around just to be present. Mm -hmm. I've heard many stories 
of people, how just having somebody there. There's a story of a woman who suffered a great loss and she was asked later, how did she do it? And she said, a pinky saved me. And she had a friend who would come and go for a walk with her. They would not say a word, but they would touch pinkies as they walked. Mm. And she said, that's what saved me. Just having someone present mm. um, can make all the difference in the world. And it's not hard to do, um, but it is hard to do. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, to not want to say something or try and fix it right. is really hard for us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yet if we can hush and yet still be present. Right. God's healing flows through that. Oh, Like right. that example. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, my prayer before I, you know, sit with people or before I do a service is to be God's vessel, you know, as all our prayers are in, in this kind of work. And people say, ask me, how do I not get emotional? Because, you know, these are sad times and um, witnessing other people's sadness. But what helps me is that, you know, I it's not about me. In, that, in those moments, it's about them. And then I have time afterwards where I can process it and do what I need to do mm -hmm. um, and those practices that I described I participate in you know to help me but um, uh, well, this first service I did was for a woman whose husband was diagnosed and then died five days later or something it was one of those really oh, sad sad situations and she wanted spiritual but not religious, um, but she said to me at one point, you know, they talk about that peace that, you know, surpasses understanding. She said, I feel that, you know, people, yeah, even people who aren't, quote, religious, mm -hmm. you know, um, there's, it's, it's authentic living in those moments, mm -hmm. you know, you know, you know what matters most. And you can experience God's peace like that in, in profound ways. Mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the kinds of graces that we have in the, the Methodist church is called provenient grace. Okay. Um, or preventing grace, depending on you know, who you're reading. But it's, it's the idea that God is everywhere trying to woo people mm. to him. I think it's also known maybe as common grace. Okay. Um, I think in the Lutheran tradition. Um, but, you know, when you tell me st that story, that's immediately what I think of. God is wooing his people to him in a way that is meaningful to them right then. Yeah. That there's, God can't love us anymore right. and chooses not to love us any less. Right. And so we see... God at work in in people that you know say that they're not sure what they believe right and yet we can point to that and say that's 
that's the God that I believe in. Oh, yeah. You know, that's the love. Yep. That's the divine. That's the one, the other, however you want to say it. Right. But right. We have those opportunities to point. That's the light that's there along the way. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And beautiful stories of light, you know. Um, mystical experiences people have and, you know, which are very common on the grief journey. Um, it's, I often get goosebumps, you know, being present to hear these stories of, and for me, yeah, there's God, you know, um, and what a gift for me to get to hear these stories, you know, firsthand of people. It's a, God has entrusted you with, with people. And that's a beautiful thing. I'm and that you grateful. honor that is also a beautiful thing. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm grateful, you know. <laughs> I never would have said this is what I was going to do. You know, it's just been a journey, mm-hmm. a calling, clearly, mm-hmm. for me. Um, and so many, so many gifts along the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. God is good. All the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Does that seem like a good place to stop? I think so. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. And if you check out our podcast notes, you will find some of the resources that we talked about and also a way to get in touch with Jackie and potentially Coke Funeral Home as well. So have a wonderful day. Blessings on your journey. And may you experience God's grace and peace today. Thank you.